0: This is Melissa, and it is the 26th of March, 2023. And today's Redux, I will use some excerpts from a talk that Alan did February the 10th, 2019, entitled Materialism Equals Societal Breakdown, Financial Mess. We all pay for our rulers' success. The topical things that Alan discussed in this blurb were some banking crises that were going on at the time there's always a banking crisis it seems that that is interesting and i'm going touch on a couple of little updates to those stories that he was talking about then the reason why i chose this for the last of these sort of special march redux was because i was looking for something that would continue on with some of the ideas that were in my head about the shortness of time and our experience in this life um, and the experiences that fuel our own connection to spirit. So with these ideas in mind, I chose this talk where Alan talks about exactly some of these things, that your life is short, that we all have a natural sixth sense but that materialism and the worries of the world and also the way that we're educated and indoctrinated and standardized keep us from using those abilities. And, of course, the education system tells us that this is for our survival, but just the opposite is true. That sixth sense, that knowing, that that also helps you connect to other people in ways that are sometimes inexplicable, that's your true survival mechanism. And he keeps coming back to that topic throughout the whole hour and seven minutes, and I won't play it in its full length today, but I would encourage you all to listen to the whole thing. It's an excellent talk, and there are a lot of really interesting links that he put up with it. He talks about how being human, connecting to your humanity, is actually something that you that you have to learn how to do, that you have to work at, that being human, that humanity takes work. He said it takes work to be a good human. And I think that's true. I, I, I think that we are given such a materialistic and... Or in a way, a psychopathic way of viewing each other, as Alan says in this talk, winners and losers, winners and losers. We get it in the game shows. We get it all around us that some people win and the rest of us lose. And it's getting past that, but it, you don't get past that really until you understand your own complicity in that. And so it is an interesting talk. It resonated with me because that, that shortness of life, that idea that there's something that we're all supposed to be doing in this life, but for most of us, we don't get there again because we're programmed. And I also went back, I won't play any excerpts from this blurb, but I went back to really my favorite blurb, from February the 28th, 2007, Sing Your Song and Steal Some Time. And he really gets into this concept of how our song, our life, is stolen from us. And he talks about the little sayings, the folk sayings, the Indian sayings. He said that some American Indians said that a life is your individual song. Each person has their song. That's your life. And that's your way of communicating with whatever is out there, beyond you, beyond what you can sense with those five senses. So getting into the sixth sense. And he said, you know, yes, a song that is that can be a song that you write or a song that you sing, but the song is also your life. And one of the words that was popping around in my head this week was creativity and how People think, oh, I'm not, you know, they'll even say, I'm not creative. Um, They don't, because they think of creativity as painting or drawing or singing or playing music or, you know, those kinds of things. But actually, the way, once you embark on the process of waking up, when you accept, and it's really a big thing to accept, because waking up isn't saying, Oh, they're forcing me to take a vaccine that I don't want, and the, there's this World Economic Forum, and they're resetting us, and and oh, look what the bankers are doing, and you know, it's affecting me in that way. That is reacting, as Alan would always say. That's not waking up. That process of really coming into your own life, you embark on that when you can accept that big, huge piece of information, which is. We live in a reality that is a false construct. The world that we live in is completely manufactured, or as Alan would say, our worlds could have gone. Our world could have gone in any one of a thousand directions. It goes in the direction that it does because it's planned that way. It's orchestrated that way. But when you know the the, the miracle of waking up is that you get to look at yourself and you get to peel away the layers of your programming and find who you really are. And then all of the choices that follow from there, you are living your song. And living your song is creative. You're actually creating your life according to the things that you have come to value on this journey. And, you know, that being said, you're still going to have some evil controllers out there, so it's not, you know, I'm not talking about, oh, freedom, that we are, you know, free from all of this, and we can go our own way, no, because there's always people who are spying on you and want to know what you're doing and controlling you every which way that you turn. But the essence of you that core of you that is true, that's what you've tapped into. And that is a connection to spirit. And I said last week that Alan didn't really talk about spirituality, that, you know, he'd say these people want to know your experiences, but you cannot share them. You can't give another person your experience. But I mulled that over this week and I was thinking, yes, that is true. If you told someone, this happened to me, and that really changed the way I saw the world, well, that, that, that might be inexplicable to someone else. They might not understand that. But indeed, Alan's experiences changed him profoundly, and therefore, they changed the way that he lived his life and all of the things that he did. And I could say that his experiences were the reason why he wrote and why he talked about what he did. So yes, one can share one's experience, and I know that's true for me. The things that I experienced that led me to start off on a journey, they changed me. And I could even say they give me um, some slight support that helps me fight against this hesit, you know. I don't want to open up my I don't want to sit in front of the mic and open up my mouth. I have nothing to say, but it's but that's not true. I have my experiences and that is what I can that's what informs me. I can't tell you this happened to me and that's how why I am the way that I am because you wouldn't get it. But those changes that the experiences brought in me allow me to live my song, and it would appear right now that my song has been for many years and continues to be making sure that Alan's song is always available for you. So I wanted to close out the last of these special talks by having a a few more people contribute some audio, and a couple of people decided you know, at the last minute, that they didn't want to share that. I I really understand why, because, again, you know, sitting down and recording your voice is intimidating. But there were people who shared in other ways, and I wanted to read an email that came in This is Teresa in Ireland, and she said, Melissa, I just wanted to say how much Alan's talks meant to me and also to say thank you so much for continuing Alan's work. The website was always my go-to every Monday morning, and I learned so much from Alan. His knowledge of history and what was happening in the world in the present day was such an education for me. Once I started delving into the archive material on Alan's website, I was so impressed by all his talks going right back to 2006. I started to listen each year, and everything Alan predicted was coming to pass in the present day. I'm often on the road for five hours at a time, and it was a perfect way to listen to a few of Alan's podcasts. I have learned so much from them. I also bought the books that Alan often referred to, I would listen to the same podcast over again, as they were full of so much information it was hard to take it all in. Like Alan, I was brought up in Scotland before I moved to my beloved Ireland, and Alan taught me a history of Scotland and Ireland that I had never heard before. For example, Alan explained about the Highland clearances in Scotland and also that the famine in Ireland was a lie. It was actually genocide of the Irish people. Ireland had abundant food, and the food and animals were removed from Irish farms and escorted by armed English soldiers onto ships bound for Liverpool, Glasgow, Southampton, etc., to feed the English and their army. There was enough food to feed all the people of Britain and Ireland, but the English removed it all. It was also playing out what Alan said in a recent Redux podcast. He said the New World Order need to destroy certain races, including the Scots and the Irish, because they would not go willingly into the new world order they have planned for us. The Irish historically are well known for fighting injustice. All of Allen's words are ringing true today. The destruction of the Irish people is in full flow. Uncontrolled, illegal immigration into Ireland of undocumented men into Dublin Airport continues daily, of men from Africa and Eastern Europe. Court cases of reported rapes and assaults by undocumented immigrants from 5th January 2023 to 19th February 2023 was 32, including six children. And a number of them had already committed crimes in their own country. I just want to let you know how much Alan meant to me and how much he taught me and helped in my education of worldly events. Alan explained things so well and you actually felt that you knew him and he knew you. I was blessed to have found his website. Teresa. And there is a listener from again, creativity in mind, and just thinking about all of you listeners out there, and I again I I think that knitting a pair of socks and, and Alan had an amazing listener um, in, in Canada who knitted him some beautiful socks and, and other things over the years. And And she actually knitted me a pair that I love. They're my bedtime socks. That is creative. Gardening and canning is creative. Learning things, learning how to raise chickens. Just the way that you can interact with a stranger at the grocery store can be creative because you can see them as an individual and have a spontaneous interaction, or you can just walk about like a robot. So it's how we, it isn't just painting and singing and writing poetry. It's how you live your life once you determine to wake up and deprogram. And so here is the first section of that talk from February the 10th,
1: Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 10th of February, 2019. I should really start off by reminding myself, as well as you, that I should really be mentioning the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, and you can buy them. You can find out how to do it at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Also, take a note of all the other sites I have on that page in case any of them go down for any particular reason, and you'll always be able to hopefully to to access my shows and so on, and also you can donate if you'd like to, because i 've had up so much stuff up for many, many years for free it's only the occasional person once in a while, or the same handful of people in fact who who donate in any kind of semi regular basis, and that helps me to tick over but People from all over the planet use the website constantly A lot of talk show guys do it too For their for their old shows etc And so many people are into All kinds of occult and new age things Because they're bored stiff probably And they want information On these old religions and things like that And the present ones too And I actually covered them all in pretty good detail And many other things too To do with with our existence on the planet Because our existence Again your life is pretty short you know It will fly by and one day you'll sit back and say, "Why did I waste so much time on this or that or whatever it happened to be?" or even just entertainment in itself because the biggest problem with people today I'll get worse and worse and worse by the way is really the old old <laughs> the joke and and the reality too of the meaning of life and the purpose of life, etc as you go through rapid changes because we're trained by the masters of the world. To behave in certain ways with each generation And to believe in certain things And even to have causes that will always suit those at the top Which generally are the international bankers And I'll touch on that tonight However, I do go into the fact too That it's much more to humanity than than what you're given I think we've all experienced And hopefully, hopefully we've we'll all experienced I think you're cut off through pure materialism If you don't experience it But the the, the occasional sensation of someone going to phone you Or something like that used to be more obvious before you had cell phones, because people didn't phone you all the time, especially if it was long distance and things like that. But the cell phones now, people are, actually they expect phone calls all the time. But in the old days, not so long ago, which are the old days now, you would get senses of people, either are going to visit you, or just unexpectedly, but you'd get a sense that was going to happen. And you would get senses. These are senses, the natural, natural senses that we do have, six senses. And I think really children probably have more awareness of these senses. They don't suppress them because they're, they haven't been told to yet. Once they're in school, they drum all that out of you with, with so-called practicalities for survival. So they claim this really just get your early indoctrination of the system. So you'll obey and, and work for the system without even knowing it. But it's drummed out of you through materialism And the worries of just surviving And getting through life, etc, etc, etc And dealing with all the natural drives that you're born with uh, That develop even later There's lots of drives that will distract you And there's massive businesses to help them on Because they get money off you as they distract you It's quite surprising that the, the detail that goes into creating any particular batch of years And that's how I see them Are batches of years So as I say I, I've gone into all this stuff in detail Over many, many, many years And lots of people use them So remember You can buy the books and discs At cuttingthroughmiddish.com I would turn out more books really But the reality is too I'd prefer just to tell the people Information that might help me on through life Or survive through life At least on a personal basis It might not even be successful financially, but at least it's it's helping. What is success? really? You're told even what success is, and believe you me, you you won't find any real genuine people out there that have put, you would term, big, big success, who are really happy. And you'll find, too, with uh, incredible alterations in society and functions, etc., and expectations that will get worse and worse and worse. And that was also known back in the early 20th century by people like Aldous Huxley, who also talked at Berkeley in the 60s about it. And he said that people really are not terribly happy. Basically, intrinsically, they're not terribly happy. And happiness is a, is a strange term. Because today, under psychiatry, that which helps to rule you in psychology, and you have behaviours all ruling you, they promote the idea that happiness is success. And happiness is what they tell you success happens to be And they give you all these idols to follow That really are just fronts For big corporations behind them The making of a star, Hollywood, music, whatever happens to be takes a lot of money, or even books for that matter takes a lot of money to promote the person And to create them into the star image And when you get big television stations Immediately grabbing onto somebody You know it's one of the establishment's creations Because they give you people From all walks of life or thoughts of life or segments of thought of life To guide people who are looking In other words, they give you a guru for every particular area that you happen to look at and fight People also will condemn you for even voicing certain concerns And it has to be done at times You've got to be honest about everything as best as you can And being honest will mean you'll be condemned You find even the old religions were suited to the time what they called old religions, and even though uh, you have different criticism of all religions in all countries and all types of religions, you'll find at the same time that, that some of them, especially those that came into Europe, you, you find that they, they give you values, or they gave values to the people that stopped total chaos. It was bad not being plundered by nobility and feudal systems and so on like that. At least they gave a, a sense of worth to people. That didn't exist anywhere else in the world. You're either a loser or somebody. And if you're a loser, you're a slave generally, and the property of somebody. Serfs were obviously property too. And the big condemnation on hindsight. And this is the big problem that you have today. Everything is judged in hindsight according to today's standards, and you can't you can't project today's standards onto to, to the Middle Ages or yesterday's past. It can't be done. Different times, different era. They didn't have welfare systems, they didn't have social work departments, they didn't have all the different things you're used to today. And uh, people really didn't have the, the, the thrive for materialism that you have today, whereas this mass consumerism, it didn't exist before. It was basics, and that was it. And it wasn't easy, and life was tough, and we only got out of that in some countries in the 20th century because of world wars, and that is true. And different movements took place to to allow some of the cash to stay in the pockets of the earners, for a change, and to get something back for your money. The U.S. was the same too. And I'm talking off the the, just off the top of my head. This wasn't planned or anything, but I was just thinking of the U.S. Revolution. Much more too at the meat side too. It took years in preparation. Benjamin Franklin mentioned that too. With the secret societies that ran at the, the day, there were there were intergenerational revolutionaries like Tom Paine, for instance, who in his own writing said that he belonged to a family of of intergenerational freedom fighters or revolutionaries. Revolution is the term, actually. And so you don't realise that things are not spontaneous in life any more than today. The different values you're given today and the switches are spontaneous. There's not that's so far from any kind of reality. I've mentioned so many times about the some of the books I have. year old books because I've studied as much as I could about certain things which interested me as to the whys of things. And one of the whys was how, what shapes society's values. It's like George Bernard Shaw, for instance, a member of the Fabian Society. He defined, along with H.G. Wells, to the readers of their different publications, what they meant by socialism versus socialist, you see. And... All these very, they sound subtle differences, they're not subtle at all, they're big differences. Where you said literally socialism was a complete reordering of all society. Complete, that's man, woman, child, everything. Nation, uh, purpose, function. And it was, it was intertwined with Marxism of course. And that's why Marxism was pushed, too, in London, by the way. Don't forget where Karl Marx was, was kicked out of Germany. He went to live in London, and, and he was kept in a good lifestyle there. Even he had a, had a servants and so on, for those who think he was a pure little guy. It's far from the truth. And let's be honest, too, since the whole point of Marxism was to overthrow, again, of all organized governmental systems and monarchies, believe me that the British monarchy was not a system that took this kind of lightly, So, but they gave permission from him to live there. There's much more to everything in BCI, obviously. And communism was the, basically, a big, big test. The first one was the American Revolution. Could people basically, and this is a bit of a joke, of course, uh, run their own lives without be, having experts and the proper people managing them? That was part of the test, supposedly, the big study, the big experiment. And the next experiment was, was the, the Soviet system that came along. Where they had again the epitome, supposedly, of true socialism, where the Soviet, which is a rule by councils, councils for every every type of function in life and departments, so and unions, would be run by the Soviet. These councils, and it would be a perfect utopia for everybody, which was a big, big lie, because. Humanity always overtakes any idealism, and that means the crooked psychopaths are always at the top. I don't care what system is called. (laughs) It's the same system, really. But getting back to what I'm saying, Beria, who was the chief of police at one point in the 1930s in the Soviet system, or the NKVD and the Cheka, etc., he ran the common turn for the Soviet system, the young communist international, and many leaders that eventually even ruled Canada at one point, Went over there, because members remembers the common turn, and other countries too attended, and bankers too, by the way, you know bankers were not out of this picture at all and Beria said that it used to take a whole generation about seventy years that 's how they took a generation at, at that time. He said it used to take seventy years to make, a, a, to make the small social changes necessary before they could make the next step to push it further, but on any particular area, but he said now. With the scientific study of humans and society, I'm talking about behaviorism and, and it's a psychology and the psychiatry, they're still fairly new at that time. Then he said we can, and the proper indoctrination, we, we can literally, by intense propaganda and, and indoctrination, alter behavior and opinions in segments and within and every four years. Every four years. And so, if you, had, if you were taking a span of, say, 16 years, you could get the first group of children coming in at school at four or five, and then four years later, you could have an indoctrination, which would up the indoctrination of the first four years and a step further. But within 16 years, doing this technique, you could have them reverse their opinion on the particular topic, could be reversed completely, and their belief could be reversed. And that's happened so fast, in fact, Today, with mass communication, they said that mass communication that would, that would be more and more perfected and available to everybody would be the technique which would be used as television, radio, you have cell phones and internet and so on, and it's all being done. And it's, it's interesting to stand back and just watch it and to see it happening. And to even see the fronts that, that, that are developed and put out for the public to follow. They pretend to speak for different segments of society and the public. Segments which they've actually created, in fact. Like as though they were separate species or groups. over, Which is nonsense. You're, you're either all human or you're not all human. But this is what they've done. And it's easier to control society now and voting blocks by segmenting them all. It's easier for those who rule the planet and the future. And it's very important to understand this, this idea of the future and the planet in itself. And unfortunately, it, it really does eradicate the natural human abilities, techniques of being human. that are techniques of being human. And it takes work to be a good human. <laughs> and unfortunately, as you throw religion out the window, you, you've, you've lost or you've thrown out the values that helped your ancestors up to the present day, your predecessors, survive so that you're here today. Because it took a lot of social involvement by neighbours, as I said before, even in places like Britain, to help each other out before the welfare system really came in. And you got mass unemployment and so on. You, you, people had to really help each other. And it was only because of, of the vestiges of religion that kept that alive. Today, they'll tell their relatives, just go on welfare before they'll help them out. That's, that's what you get, unfortunately. So the state has become supreme exactly as H.G. Wells said that It would be made to be supreme over any family involvement It would be the head of the family in other words If whatever family that happened to be or kind of family it would be It's all happened And and it really is fascinating to see it all happening And to live through so much of it And to see the massive well-financed pushes and organized pushes not just for segments of society, but through entertainment and through everything, to make all of this possible, to make it happen the way that, that it was planned to be. So before, so say, say 20, even 30 years ago, you had ideas of where it was all going, how it worked, etc. And you studied enough to understand where they said it would go, and think of what's happened. But but every every generation, once you hit 20, you've you got folk who, who think it's, some, it's somehow all their generation, that they're in charge. They really think that. They believe that. They have no idea that the music, uh, the entertainment, even the the jingo talk and, and, and vernacular that they're given for each age, they really think it's theirs, it's their creation. They really do believe that. And it's fascinating to watch it over and over and over again. But what I'm trying to say, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that, basically, things are vastly different, vastly, vastly different than you'd imagine.
0: So don't sell yourselves short On creativity and on what it means to be a human, to be a good human, and the work that goes into that. There are so many ways that we can contribute to each other's lives and we can support each other when we recognize, ah, there's a kindred spirit and we can be helpful. And one of the examples of listener creativity that I wanted to bring to your attention is a listener in Canada who has been very helpful to me since the spring of twenty twenty one, really. I mean he would not he would downplay it, I'm sure that he would, but he has been very helpful. And in the summer of twenty twenty one he designed for me, just unasked, but he created a searchable a searchable database uh, of all of Alan's work. All of his talks are on that database, and this is nearly 3,000 pages, but it makes it very helpful when I'm looking for something specific, like today I was looking for the word creativity, and I could just go into that 3,000 Page database and put in control F and put in the word creativity and it was interesting to me because Alan only used that word three times in his talks. Um, There were a lot of other ways that he spoke to that concept, but in one of the blurbs that he used the word creativity in was sing your song and steal some time. So I was brought back to my favorite blurb yet again. But this was such a a helpful gesture that this man did for me, something that I use quite regularly. I think, oh, I'm looking for something about such and such. And I can. uh, I often just wander around the website looking at this and looking at that, or I remember an old talk that I liked. But to have something like this, that I can do keyword searches and combine keyword searches. I can put in the word... Banker, and put in the word evil, <laughs> and see if I get anything back. And so it is; it's a really good tool. But the other really, the other great thing that this same gentleman did was again just of his own volition. I um, he decided to clip some of Alan's audios and do a little series of excerpts, just short pieces, if you will, from two or three minutes up to maybe ten, on average is probably six or seven minutes, and this morphed into the excerpt series that we've been running since uh, late October of 2021, and the first theme that he came up with was waking up, and so that started the Wednesday excerpt series, and it's just I think it's been a really useful thing for people. It's a great way to have a a short little midweek thing out there that people remember the website. They can have a few of Alan's words to mull over on a Wednesday, and who doesn't need something on Wednesday to get them through the rest of the week? And from the waking up, we went into his next series that he came up with was Evil, and evil started in April of 2022, and that ran for uh, until July of 2022. And he then embarked on a series of clips called New Age. So what I'm explaining to you is listener creativity, because when we started putting up the New Age, a listener from South Africa who's been in contact with Alan for a number of years, wrote and said, I think that Not Sure should write something about the new age because I'm involved in these different groups that are doing activism. We're fighting back against the tyranny around this COVID, this scamdemic, And what I see is a lot of new age thinking creeping into and kind of co-opting these groups. Well, That was it. That was his suggestion. And I thought, well, Alan certainly talked a lot about the New Age, especially in his early blurbs. What might I say or what might not sure say that would add to that? And that actually turned into, I don't remember now how many I wrote, but it feels like there were 12 of them. I don't know, somewhere between 8 and 12 pieces on the new age and it took me so far down a rabbit hole I really didn't think that I would ever get out I, I finally had to just make myself stop but this resonated with me because you know years ago I had started a yoga class and it was it was interesting because the very first time that someone invited me to a yoga class I went and I said to myself, this is a religion. This is I'm not comfortable with this because you know there was a little talk of hinduism and you know all along, you know but I, that way you know I said oh no I don't I don't like this I'm not going to do that again. What I'm talking to you about is personal corruption because I had the right instinct which was don't do this. But personal corruption allowed me, you know, the next time someone invited me to a yoga class was, I don't know, let's just say two or three years later. And I, you know, yes, I had been exposed to it. It was more and more mainstreamed all the time. But it was my willingness to not listen to that voice that said, don't go here. And I did. And, you know, I went to yoga for years. I did that. And, um... And I kept telling myself, this is just a physical exercise, but it isn't. It is more than that. It is a philosophy. It's a way of looking at the world, and most of the teachers that are even in small towns in the West have imbibed of the philosophy, and it comes across, and it's mainstream now. So... But anyway, it was an interesting exercise for me. Sorry to diverge there into my yoga classes. But from the new age, the clip series moved into purpose-made people. And when this listener in Canada suggested the idea of purpose-made people, I loved it. I said, oh, we can stay with that for a long time. And indeed we have, because we're going to be wrapping that up in late April And we started that in the middle of October of last year. But Purpose Made People, that covers a whole range of things that, you know, the elite, our controllers have made us for their purpose. How do they do that? That covers eugenics. That covers DNA. That covers brain chipping. That covers our education you know there's so many things that go into designing us to be the way that we are for their purpose and the the next three or the and the last of this series are going to be focused on the medical profession and the doctors and this listener said he just had a little bit of anger on for the for the doctors and i think when you look at the complicity of the the evil in which they've participated in that his his response to them is understandable so we will embark on a new series late April and um, he and I have already gone back and forth on what the theme is going to be I'm talking about his work yes but I'm talking about his creativity and I think that is important for us to remember, You know, that thing that Alan would say, you matter. Your choices, what you do with this information and how you use it to help yourself and to help other people, that matters. You matter. So, okay, Okay. this next little thing that I want to play for you is a song that a listener in England wrote and played on his guitar and was inspired by by listening to Alan. I want to play a bit of a song that he did entitled Hold the Line and this was for the truckers in Canada who took a stand and said enough is enough. <laughs> This is Rick from Australia, and Rick has listened to Alan for many years, and listening to Alan has encouraged him to speak out in different forums that he's had an opportunity to participate in, and he's just embarked on uh, yet a new podcast, and I think that he and I might speak to one another on his podcast when we can carve out a little bit of time but he sent an email and he just said i i was thinking of alan and i think this is a song that he would have liked There was a band that was on the go in australia in the early 70s i don't know much about them but they were called spectrum i think they were pretty big at least in australia but they probably had some global recognition He said, I think Alan would have liked this song, and it's called I'll Be Gone, and it kind of touches on the shortness of life, but also a kind of an anti-materialism, anti-materialistic thought there. Yes, you could make a lot of money, but by the time that money gets there, you'll be gone. Finally, I wanted to say that the excerpts that I chose for today's Redex, I wanted to stay focused on our humanity and our sense of community and all of these things that I think are so important at this time. What I did not include and why I encourage you to go back to the talk in full was Allen's coverage of the topical news at the time, which included a Goldman Sachs scandal, a banking scandal that was under investigation in Australia, and yet another banking scandal in the UK. And... It's you know, This is early 2019, and some of these scandals were from 2018 and even prior, the one in Australia, that it had some commission on the go looking into it, you know how they always investigate things and take years to do so. So he was covering that. But I had said earlier that Alan's work is timeless, and I find that to be true. I'm always on the Internet, I'd say, out and about on the Internet. You know, who's talking about what? Where do I find what's going on, current events, and just sampling a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I played something, I'm not going to name any names there, but it was a kind of an alternative show. And this alternative researcher analyst was interviewing someone else, and they were talking about essentially what was, you know, but two things, banking in Ukraine, Russia and Ukraine, and how this was playing out. And I have to tell you, I... I uh, I just didn't even know what I was listening to. You know, these are alternative voices, and it was so... The language was so highfalutin, and the the attitude around everything that was going on was this sort of intelligentsia or pseudo-intelligentsia, and I just... I, it made me miss so much the simplicity with which Alan always put things across, you know? he would he could just hammer home a point in in such a low key simple way this is what is happening this is who's behind it this is the ancient history of it he was never trying to impress you with big words he was never trying to blow you away with you know his scholarship never but anyway in the court i had this image of myself because i had this one video that i was listening to pulled up on the uh computer, and then I had about 10 other things on the go, and I was back and forth as I would just couldn't stomach that interview. I'd go over to another interview, and I had this image of myself as a crazy DJ, you know, spinning one audio and then spinning another (laughs) over here. As I was listening to Alan's talk, and as he was reading about Goldman Sachs, and I have to tell you, he made some very funny comments there, so it's worth a listen, I was looking up the Goldman Sachs players, and there's Lloyd Blankfein, and I'm like, no, 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 who's David Solomon? Because it was David Solomon that was featured in this scandal that Alan was reading about, or he was you know, being quoted about the scandal. And I look up David Solomon, and I find out he's an investment banker by day, but at night he's an amateur DJ. And he's often seen in the clubs in New York and Miami, et cetera, et cetera. And I just can't tell you how disgusted I was with that. Uh, this, uh, but it it got worse. There was a story as I was looking into David Solomon that happened. Um, what year did that happen? Let's see if I can pull this up. I'm not sure what year that it happened, but when this was being reported on was in December of 2018. Nicholas Meyer, the murky story of a man who looted $1.2 million worth of wine from a banker's cellar. In January, Nicholas Meyer was arrested for stealing millions of dollars worth of wine from the home of the Goldman Sachs executive he was working for. Nine months later, he jumped to his death. And then they tell you this story. And I'm going to post the article up there so that you can read it for yourself. But in this talk for the Redux from February 10, 2019, Alan drove home some really great points. And one of the things that he talked about was our own complicity in this evil, in this corrupt system. So what we're living through right now, I mean, I look at the day's news and the latest bank that is teetering on the edge is Deutsche Bank, Deutsche Bank, and... Credit Suisse got its, you know, helping hand a couple of weeks ago. So it's all around. So you just sniff the wind and go, okay, what's what's going down and when is it going down? But the banker scandals go on and on and on. And we are living through the system that because it impacts us so directly, the fallout impacts us so directly. We pay attention to these stories with bated breath, so to speak. It's new, it's new, this is happening right now. But the beauty of Alan's timeless work is that it is also old, old. It's always been happening. And if you can keep that bird's eye perspective, that, you know, I've decided today that I don't want to call them bankers anymore. I loved the way that Alan would always just say what was what. These are criminals, they're crooks. They're gangsters, and that is who runs us. Criminals, crooks, and gangsters. And so, okay, so what? What they technically did, you know, I was looking into some of the scandals that Goldman Sachs has been involved in over the years, and okay, so, well, technically, they didn't do anything illegal. Oh, there's regulators over them, and everything they did was within the guidelines of the regulators and, you know, but you're looking at gangsters and criminals. And Alan points out, he really nails it when he said, when you worship them, when you love them, when you say, well, I, I could have, you know, if I could get away with that, I would do that. You're part of the problem. You're being part of the problem. And, What you see when you look at the story of the fellow who stole it, let's just think about that for a moment. He had been stealing this wine from David Solomon for a period of five years. Solomon never noticed the wine had gone missing. If you take, because I took the calculator out, it was 500 bottles over five years, 1.2 million. That's an average price tag on the bottle of $2,400. But it was more than that because it was only when seven particular bottles that were so pricey were purchased by some broker that the broker thought these are either, you know, forged wines, in other words, it's just any old wine and a bottle with this label on it. Or else they're stolen wines, and he looked at the serial number on the wines, investigated, and lo and behold, they were stolen. So it was really seven. I have no idea what those seven bottles of wine were. And then when you read the articles, you read about the, you know, fifteen million dollar apartment that Solomon had in Manhattan, and that you know the, the comings and goings of people who live these lifestyles. And Alan is saying, you know, you. You, if you are someone who said, well, I would do that if I could get away with it, or, well, why not? Why not do that if you can get away with it? Then you are complicit. You are complicit in this. And even this demire I mean, at first I was horrified at the idea, you know, oh, this poor guy um, leaps to his death over this, you know, stealing of the wines. Was it really such a crime that he would have to die over it? But then you're getting into the mindset of a young fellow who aspired. He aspired for that disgusting life that is preda—it's predation. They are the predators, we are the prey. And he lived his life wanting to be one of those people. Wanting to live that. And this article, it uses some big words, some You know, $5 words here. But his friends commented, they said his death seems so senseless. He would have done a year or two and people would have embraced him because the whole city, that's New York City, the whole city operates on avaricious, class-aspirational, indentured servitude. And just think about those big words there. That's greedy, that is, slaves who are greedy wannabes. And let's face it, this is a slave system and we are slaves. And if you are a greedy wannabe in this slave system, you are participating wholeheartedly in this system. So we always have to look at ourselves and what how we are participating in this. And then, but I kept looking. I couldn't stop looking at old David Solomon. And there I, I found him on YouTube it was spinning his records. It, it, this was CNN business was covering it, naturally. Said Goldman Sachs' next CEO is a part-time DJ. So this was posted five years ago. This was before he was actually the, the DJ. And I started to look at the comments And this was most telling. That's the coolest CEO ever. Someone else says, legend. Someone else said, he's a DJ. His hobby is running Goldman Sachs. Another commenter, I aspire to be this man. Uh, Someone else, now that's the life I want. Another commenter, why is everyone hating on him for this? Have you seen other Wall Street hobbies? you finally get a couple of people who comment on you know how disgusting this is literally paying shows him literally paying shows to let him perform america could not be a worse country someone else commented ceo drug dealer market manipulator this guy does it all but most of the comments by and large were that's so cool coolest dj i've ever seen then Go DJ, that's my DJ, D-Soul. Okay, it says he goes by DJ d Sol S-O-L. You know, so other people want to send their songs for him to do. You know, what, no tattoos? Finally, I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Someone says dystopic and disgusting. Well, you know, there are some people who aren't going to be complicit in this system no matter what. So, listen to the whole talk, and thank you for letting me ramble on, and here is a bit more of Alan. You take care, keep on this journey, because discovering who you are and your song and living your life creatively, finding out what it takes to be a good human Doing that. You know, Alan has said not a lot about this over the years, but in one talk that I put up recently, he said, you know, there are people who can model, that means demonstrate what it, you know, true humanity, what it means to be a good human. And this is not about screaming, they're doing this to us. Oh, how awful they are. It's about just saying, okay, I accept. This is reality. Now what? How do I spend the rest of my song, which is the rest of my life, doing something that really matters?
1: But getting back to what I'm talking about, if you say the right things, you're going to be definitely attacked. That will happen. There's a lot of rather fake people out there too that have made massive businesses, massive businesses, out of being the fake fronts for a lot of this stuff and that's one you always know if they're, if they're rolling in the box believe you me, they're part of the, of the system even if they pretend that they're opposite, they're, they're rolling in the box that's one of the clues and they've no problem getting it on television or wherever it happens to be but when you forget and, and throw out your natural humanity and that was the connection with what they called the, the world of spirit all through religion when you throw that out, then you're at the mercy of the worst materialistic, scientific tyranny the world has ever seen. And unfortunately, because you have nothing to hold on to, in you know, faith-wise, and, and terrible times of stress and, and evil, then you'll crack completely with nothing to hold on to. When you look across the world today at the incredible corruption, everywhere, everywhere you look, and the West, amongst the general population now now there's a roll for materialism, easy credit and, and disposable products that don't last very long, but it's constant consumer society. It's really scary when you look at it. It's really scary. Where life is becoming so cheap, and for are being trained to see life as being cheap, and I'm okay, Jack, as I say. I'm all right, Jack. It's so tough luck on you. And it starts with, with youngsters, babies It ends up with elderly people Or folk who are sick Being offered euthanasia Rather than having treatment For, for problems which are easily treated today But it costs a bit of money So what? The, your governments have got plenty of money to blow On their own incredible salaries and expenses And the massive civil Multi-layered civil service system that you have That would terrify you When you see the incomes of these characters and the cost of living, of course, which is going to go up because of the bank scandals, which is simply the fact that the money system has always been a scandal, is backed by, by nothing. The, 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 there's nothing backing the, either the paper or plastic or digital currency. There's nothing there. A whole different topic, but the fact is society now wants to be the multimillionaires. Everybody's been trained that they deserve it. And the general public, as, as we lose, as I say... To try to get back on the initial topic that was vaguely in my mind at the time. They're losing so much to do in the, the spiritual side of everything. Most folk who go into anything to do with, with uh, what you'll call modern, new age type religions want power. To affect other things, you see. They don't want to work in themselves so much, but they want power. By simply learning different little rituals or whatever it happens to be to conjure up and get power for themselves, to manipulate those around them for their own, so that they themselves can benefit from the people, etc., or whatever it happens to be. Very old, as you know. In in ancient times, it used to be just love potions to turn a guy's head or whatever it happened to be. That was long before they created a miniskirt. It goes on and on and on with power, 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 where really the spiritual side of things, thing was about improving yourself and changing yourself. Really, that's what it was about. Everyone's got the great equalizer eventually, which is death in itself, isn't it? You end up dead. Whereas in the grave, or you, you go up in a pile of flames and gas, it's all the same. You end up dead, whether you like it or not, in, in the physical world. Most people want to come back into this world if they're, if they're very rich and wealthy and they, and they love life. Like the ones who rule the world, they want to live forever. If they could simply clone a body, a brand new body, and, and download the engrams from the brain, the whole memories, everything, and take it over. They'd be very happy. They're actually working on all that because they really do. They don't have the same, oh, my God, I'm getting worn out with working and I'm worn out with my joints because I'm working or whatever it happens to be. They don't get that because they get incredibly high in medical care. The real stuff, the three levels of medicine, they're at the top level. Not at the professorship downwards. That's a bottom level. And that's why they live so long in the moment. And because they do love life, and they've never had a care in the world, and have servants that deal with all the management, and their land management, and their domestic management, and everything else for them, they, they don't even know when the car's been serviced. It's all been done for them. These are petty things not to distract them from, from what they're really into, you see. And they do want to live forever. It's the opposite, interestingly, of really what religion at one time was about. Now religion too, has been abused all down through the ages, on and off. You always get bad, you know, segments and bad people in the charge of things, you always get it. It's my, anything that starts off even with the best intentions over time will become corrupt when money enters into it and a good lifestyle enters into it. It's very much like the Franciscan society is an example. And St. Francis, his idea was that they would serve humanity for nothing. And the monasteries grew the food and all the rest of it. The monks would go out and help the poor and, and feed them and so on. And that's how they started. They went off to do his rounds to, to other places and traveled, came back. And he was so disgusted at how fat, No kidding you, the monks had become, because so much money was being donated to them by people, by rich widows generally, whose, whose husbands died of either wars or, whatever, or just old age or whatever. And they would leave the money to, and they were getting rich and fat, and they weren't going out to help the poor anymore. So he literally turned his back on it, on on, on some of the orders that he'd start, on some of the the, the monasteries he started. He wasn't the only one, but that—that's always human nature because we're in a world, a physical world, a hard physical world, aren't we? Can't deny it. Some some climates are easier to get on with than others and live in, but it's pretty harsh for most places. And survival in a moneyed system doesn't have much time for people who are sick or getting older and can't do the hard, hard work to dis- to scratch the dirt even in a system where they don't have the welfare state, etc., etc., etc. And that's the dilemma that folk are in, always. How to survive and get along and just survive, basic survival, and at the same time keep your humanity and your link to something greater than yourself. Without it, you truly are. And the worst horrors in the world have been committed under socialism, the atheistic system. The worst horrors. National socialism was was, was a Nazi thing they tried. And that was carefully studied by the Royal Institute for International Affairs because they were awfully interested in maybe using this across the, the world. Hasn't disappeared that technique. Forget Germany. It was meant to be international. And and so they they used the international communism, Soviet system. The union of Soviet socialist republics. Horror, I'm telling you, horror is where it goes. When there's nothing else, because natural human decency goes down the tubes. There's nothing to hold it there. Something bigger than yourselves. And I don't mean government.